Hey everyone, welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Loren, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Acrobatic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please, sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. Today, I am talking with David Stinson. He is a successful studio owner, as well as being the CEO and founder of iPath. If you have never heard of iPath, take a listen as David explains what this growing organization is all about. David Stinson, hello and welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. And you're all the way in London, is that correct? That's correct, yes. And how is it there right now? Um, it's a little bit drizzly, a little bit chilly, but um, this is the UK. That's right. Every time I go there, it, it seems to rain. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say it's a little bit drizzly, I can relate to that. Yeah. But I'm so excited to speak with you today. Uh, you are the CEO and founder of iPath. And that stands for International Performing Arts and Theatre. Now, I will admit I have heard about iPath, but I'm certainly not an expert on everything that this organization offers. So I love that we can talk to you today and everyone can learn about it from the founder of iPath. Why don't you start by telling us about your background, where you grew up, how you started singing and dancing, and where that took you as a performer? Absolutely. So um, I grew up in a small town um, called Shepshed, which is in Leicestershire, and that's kind of in the middle of the UK, or well, the middle of um, England. I started off singing right from like a really young age, from about the age of five, and I kind of grew up singing in different, uh, various different choirs in the local community choirs, and I took part in lots of amateur dramatic companies as well, taking leading roles. Um, but it wasn't until I was about 15 years of age, I was out shopping, clothes shopping with my best friend. And um, it's kind of a weird story, but she needed the toilet. So she popped into the local town hall and I was standing around waiting for her. And whilst I was waiting, I was looking at the community notice board and seeing auditions for this big production. And so I says to her when she came out, I says, she would go and audition for this, this production just as a joke. Um, because I never took, I, I wasn't taking performing, performing arts kind of seriously at that point. And she said, yeah, okay. So we went along just to, for something to do. And I got the main part, which was crazy. <laughs> um, and that was I, was, I was about 15 years of age then. And I'd never danced before. I'd, I'd only sung in, in local choirs and stuff. Um, so that was kind of the start of my, my dance training. So I started dance classes took the leading role in this big production um, in Leicestershire. And uh, one thing kind of led to another. Um, the, the choreographer says I was a natural dancer. So she kind of says, invited me to her, her dance company that she also ran, um, joined the dance company. And she kind of trained me up um, and took me under her wing. Um, and then I decided to audition for a dance college, uh, a private dance college in Leicester. And I got accepted. 
um, on part scholarship and yeah kind of went there for three years um, I, I graduated with a trinity diploma in uh, musical theatre so that was kind of encompassing the triple threat discipline so dance singing and acting um, I trained in ballet jazz tap uh, commercial hip-hop um, all the main stage dance uh, disciplines and then when I graduated there I traveled the world on various different cruise ships um, as a singer and dancer I did high school musical um, which was so much fun and then I came back after the cruise ships and I did a few shows in the West End and yeah that's pretty much it and then and then I decided after a after about five years of performing in the industry, I decided that I wanted to kind of really settle down in London. And it's kind of hard to settle down when you're a dancer because different contracts take you all over the place. So um, I decided to open iPath and I also opened my own school. Uh, so I, I run a school now in Southeast London uh, called the Davis Simpson Theatre School. And I've kind of grew iPath from there, really. I started developing qualifications and different programs of studies and all different disciplines and kind of tried, tried and tested them on my own students in my own school. And it's kind of just, it's, it's grew from there and it's, it's we're now international. Wow. So that's pretty much, pretty much my story, yeah. Wow, David, that's a fantastic journey. And isn't <laughs> it funny that it just started out by your friend having to go to the toilet? No, it's crazy. <laughs> we still laugh about it today. That's amazing. Do you remember that production that you first got cast in? Yes, it was called Captain Lovely. And oh. It was basically an independent show. Um, and it was about this, it was kind of like sci-fi kind of thing about space and stuff. And I was like the lead, the lead person of this big spaceship. It was, it was incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess that got you hooked. And then um, one thing led to another. And there you go. So you traveled the world performing opened your studio once you decided to settle down and then what crossed your mind to say you know I want to help internationally dancers and teachers and develop IPATH? Well there's lots of different exam boards um, in the UK and they're all great but they're all very expensive to join and my my school my studio is in a where it's located there's a, there's a lot of um disadvantaged children that are not able to usually access the arts because the arts is very much in I don't know what it's like in in North America but in the UK you kind of have to have money to send your child to ballet class or, or something similar um, and I wanted to kind of break down break down those boundaries and for me to join uh, another examining board it would mean that these kids would have to pay a lot of money to do their exams and so I thought this is not going to work for me so that's pretty much why I started my own exam board. I wanted to break, break down those barriers and um, create opportunities for children that wouldn't otherwise be able to access the arts. So yeah, so it just kind of started off teaching the children various different exercises and things. And I started to implement that and, and structure them in a natural syllabus. And then I got other people on board and it's kind of grew from there. Right. Listeners, if you haven't heard about iPath, I strongly suggest you go to the website because when you do, you will bring up all the genres that they offer syllabus and exams for. And it's quite amazing. Just in the dance 
program itself, there's classical ballet, jazz, tap, contemporary, commercial, hip hop, and lyrical dance. On the website, it says there's over 200 videos and exercises for each discipline uh, so that the teacher is really equipped with everything that they need to run a successful class. And I didn't know the reason why you started IPATH, but that is really touching. Do you find that it is reaching the children that need it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and as well, another reason we wanted to, to form IPATH was because a lot of the other existing exam boards make you jump through hoops of fire to become a registered teacher. And although obviously teacher training is really important, there's, for me, for example, I trained at a three-year conservatoire, so I knew exactly what I was doing. Um, I've got a lot of experience being a teacher, and I just didn't feel that paying thousands of pounds to retrain to become a teacher of an association was, was kind of fair. And at the time, I couldn't afford it. So we've kind of got rid of all of that, and membership for teachers is free with IPATH. Um, and we basically do a due diligence, so we check what their qualifications are that they already have, and if we feel that they're capable and they have enough experience at teaching, then they have automatic entry into IPATH. If we feel that they, they lack experience or, or qualification, then we do have some courses, um, but they're nowhere near as, as, as expensive as um, some of the other dance organisations. So that was one of the other things that we wanted to, to change as well. And yeah, it's, it's gone crazy, to be completely honest. What has happened and has this been um, during the pandemic? Yes. So actually, we're still finalising some of the dance syllabi, but the majority of it's kind of ready. We're in the middle of filming all of the all of the syllabi, all the programmes and studies, and the pandemic hit and that that stopped everything because we weren't able to go into the studio and film. But now that we're we're just starting to reopen in the UK, so we're just finishing off some of the um, the videoing. But yeah, it's kind of. I hate saying this, but it was kind of a blessing in disguise because I think what happened was a lot of dance schools, particularly in the UK, were a part of like some of the bigger um, examination boards. And because of the pandemic, they had nothing to do really apart from sit at home and wait this, this coronavirus out. And whilst I was sitting at home, they've been researching and, and surfing the, the internet and they've come across us and, and checked us out. And and thought you know what let's let's give these guys a go so it's kind of been a blessing in disguise and we've literally gone from just a handful of schools a couple of years ago to over 150 schools that's without hardly any advertising it's well it's without any paid advertising so wow and ipath is available worldwide schools all over the world so we've got a lot obviously in the uk we've got um we've got schools in north america in australia got a lot of schools in Southeast Asia, um, in China. So yeah, we're all over. And how do the students take exams if, if they're not in the UK or even if they are in the UK? So um, we, have, we have examiners, trained examiners. Um, if they're in the UK, we've, we've got a lot of examiners in the UK. So that's pretty much the same as any organization. Um, a, a dance school teaches the students that the, the dance syllabi or musical theatre, or whatever discipline they're doing. Um, once the students are ready to take an exam, then they submit an exam entry. Then we organise a date and send an examiner out. We've, we've actually got quite a few examiners internationally as well. So, um, for example, in Southeast Asia, we've got a few examiners. Uh, in, in North America, we have examiners as well. 
if we have a school that's in a, an, for example, we've got a school um, in Canada, I can't remember the exact name, but it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. We offer them uh, pre-recorded exams. So basically they, they set the studio up as ready for an exam, they film it, and then they send it over to us. And we've got various different forms that they have to sign to say that they're not allowed to stop the recording once they've started the exam. And ah. they have to say they're not, the teacher's not standing behind the camera <laughs> showing them what to do. <laughs> right, so. yeah. 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 Um, so really, a teacher could offer exams, whether they get an in-person examiner or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So again, you're really making it accessible for everyone, which I think is wonderful. Now, I'm also with acrobatic arts, we do graded exams and I realize how important they are. Why do you think graded examinations are important? I think they're so important because mainly because they provide consistency. And um, particularly in dance, it's so important that dancers are, are being taught technically sound. So by following a graded examination program, it means that week after week after week, they're doing the same exercises until their bodies learn muscle memory and they become technically sound dancers. It means as well that they're, they're following an a internationally recognised qualification or they gain qualifications. Uh, so IPATH, for example, is accredited by Global Education Training and Qualifications. And what that means is that all of our programs and exams are overlooked by leading academics and they make sure that they're robust and fit for purpose. Uh, so it kind of provides that stamp of approval. And yeah, I think it's, as well, another thing, and same with acrobatic arts, these graded programs are developed by leading professionals. So our ballet syllabus, for example, was developed by a leading British ballerina and our commercial syllabus was developed by a, a top commercial dancer and they're kind of experts in their own fields. So they're able to sit down and say, right, at grade one, the child needs to learn this, this and this. And then in grade two, they can progress that into this step and this step and this step. And it's just providing clarity for the teacher and a consistent form of progression for the students. So um, I think they're incredibly important. Although I think graded exams are important, I do think that open classes are, are very important as well because they kind of develop um, skills of picking up routines and, and things. Does iPath provide videos for open class or is it strictly exam videos? So at the moment we just do um, exam videos. So each syllabus has around 200 videos. Um, there's about 20 videos for each grade and we've got uh, 10 grades for each discipline. But we do offer, in the UK, we offer an associate's programme, which basically any any student that follows an iPath programme of study, they can come to one of our studios throughout the UK once a month. And we bring in like West End performers and they teach like routines from the from the shows and things. Oh, um, kind of, yeah, that develops those kind of skills. So wow. That's that's a great opportunity. Yeah. Right. Oh, the kids love that. The kids love that. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Well, it means that I get to meet all the stars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everyone loves that. That's great. Um, and why do you think it's important to keep supporting the dance teachers as they develop their own skills? One of the things that iPath is really big on is endorsing lifelong learning. And I think 
particularly nowadays, we're living in the information age and children and adults are being consumed by so much information. A, a kid could be sitting on the bus going on their way to school and they could be scrolling down their Facebook feed and see a, a video being posted on how to do a, a really good pirouette. They're constantly learning nowadays. And so I think it's really important for teachers to stay on top of their game and to keep developing their own skills. And also there's so much research and stuff now from dance scientists and medics and stuff as to how we can really keep enhancing dancers um, and their technique. And so I just think it's important that everyone keeps, keeps learning. I think that's healthy as well. So we've got a lot of um, CPD courses that we offer um, every other month. Some of them are, are online via webinars, others are in person. And yeah, we just, we just wanna provide as many opportunities for our teachers to keep on learning as possible. It's about learning new skills as well. Like um, in the UK, for example, we have a, a shortage of singing teachers. There's so many dance schools, but we don't have enough singing teachers to go in and, and kind of teach the singing side of things. And I think most dance schools nowadays offer, offer musical theater because I think, I well, some people say there's no such thing as a dancer. You have to be a triple threat performer now. Right. You have to, be able to dance, sing and, and act. So um, one of the problems that we, we experience in the UK is we've got loads of dance teachers, but not many singing teachers to teach the children how to sing properly. So one of the things that we do at iPath is we, we equip the, the dance teachers with enough knowledge on how to deliver a sound singing lesson. So just ensuring that they know the basics to make sure that the children are warming their voices up properly. We provide them with various different warm-ups and basically give them a whole package that they can just take and and deliver in their musical theater classes so yeah David that is so amazing because I that just sounds like it's all encompassing and you're really providing the the triple threat you know you're not just saying you need to be a triple threat you're saying here are the steps that you require to become a triple threat so that's great uh, now, you mentioned that uh, IPATH was sort of exploding during the pandemic. How do you think that has changed the course of dance, even looking forward to the future? I think every single industry has had to adapt um, during the pandemic, except Amazon, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, I think it's what well, I was talking earlier about um, there being barriers in like particularly in the UK, where it's kind of the middle, the upper middle classes can only afford to send their children to ballet school. Whereas during the pandemic, everyone has, has, has had access to dance classes because so many dance teachers have been providing free lessons on Zoom or via Instagram Lives and Facebook Lives and stuff. And certainly in this country, we've had a lot of children that's been able to access dance classes that wouldn't otherwise have been able to access them. So I think I think that's one of the main things that's that's changed in in the UK, and I'm I'm pretty sure that's that's across the world as well. But also, it's for people with special educational needs. It's given them an opportunity to tap into dance classes and kind of make make that class work for them from the comfort of their own home. Um, I had a child with autism that joined some of our online Zoom classes, and he would he absolutely loves um, dance. But his autism um, kind of stops him from being able to attend an in-person class 
because he's, he suffers from anxiety. Whereas because it was on Zoom, he was able to tap into our classes and he absolutely loves it. So now we, we're, we're carrying on with some of our Zoom classes and he's, he's able to carry on with, his, with some of his training, which is just brilliant. Um, then obviously we've got had access to some of the best choreographers. So a lot of dance studios would never be able to afford the likes of Brian Friedman to come and teach in their studio. But the pandemic has meant that we've all had to jump onto Zoom. And now that now he's been teaching in so many different studios and studios don't have to cover the, the costs of flights and everything. So, yeah, I just think it's kind of opened so many different doors and I hope it continues. Obviously, in-person teaching is essential and that's the safest way of learning how to dance. But I, I do think that it's important that we we still grasp, grasp hold of this virtual um, aspect as well, because I do think it has a has a place in dance teaching. Yeah, I agree. I think the pandemic did open up those doors and we'll keep some of those paths open as we move forward. And yeah. it sounds like IPATH is doing a great job of that. Again, I'm really impressed with this organization. The more I learn about it, so if there are any teachers listening right now that would like to become a member, how would you suggest they go about that? The best thing to do is visit our website. So it's www.i-path.biz and have, have a browse through our website. There's a lot of information there because like you said, we offer, we offer so many different disciplines. At the top of the page, there's a, I think it says a um, become a teacher or something um, click on that and fill the form in and basically what happens is uh, a member of our team does our due diligence so they check on what qualification that teacher already has and if they've got the relevant qualifications and experience then they'll automatically be offered membership which is free if we don't think they've got quite enough experience or qualifications then we'll um, signpost them to various different courses that we offer which are affordable for, for most people. And yeah. I love that. I love that. You're, you're not turning them away. You're actually helping them yeah, uh, become better. So that's and the thing is, yeah. And the thing is, so basically a type of, we don't want to turn anybody away because in the UK, and I think it's the same all over the world, you don't have to have, there's no law to say that you have to have a, a certain qualification to open a dance school. Anybody can open a dance school. And so we'd much rather accept the teacher on and, and upskill them and provide them with the skills that they need to be able to deliver good dance classes rather than say, no, I'm sorry, you, you don't quite fit the bill. And then they open a dance school anyway and teach children wrong. We'd much rather take them under our, our arm and, and support them along their, their whole teaching journey. Right, because they eventually end up passing on that information to their students. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're really creating a, a great path for everyone. Yeah. IPath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say it again. What an amazing organization. Does IPath have any upcoming ventures that you can tell us about? Um, our next big venture is we're opening a UK chapter of BDP. So BDP is the Bridge Dance Project, which was founded in the USA. Basically, its aim, its main aim is to connect dance scientists with dance teachers. So one of the things that happens all over the world is that you have the dance scientists and medics um, industry, and they do all their fabulous research and stuff, and they create these incredible articles 
which is supposed to be helping the dancers and the dance teachers better themselves. But actually, there's a disconnect because dancers are not academics or scientists. So we struggle to understand dance scientists kind of language. And so BDP is about bridging those two things together and, and making all of the information that the scientists find, uh, come up with, uh, making that accessible to dancers and dance teachers. So that's what we're working on at the, uh, at the moment. And we're gonna be launching the BDP UK chapter in September, in, in the UK, obviously. Um, and there's gonna, we're, we're gonna be offering various resources. This is all for free. To, so this is accessible to any dance teacher, even if they're not a member of IPATH. Um, we're offering all these resources for free, developed by the dance scientists, but then put into a language that everybody will be able to understand. Then we're also gonna have an annual conference uh, which is going to happen every September and that's going to bring lots of different specialist speakers uh, that will be talking about lots of different topics such as how to prevent dance injuries. Um, we're going to do monthly webinars, monthly podcasts, uh, we're going to have a magazine that we're going to release twice a year which is going to have various different articles and things. So yeah that's that's a really exciting project that we're going to be doing. Well, and it sounds pretty big too. You're going to be quite busy. Yes, very busy. <laughs> but that's super exciting. And I totally agree about connecting the dance science with the dance teachers. I can't wait for that to come out in September. I will definitely be on your website looking at that. So now just to end our podcast talk, uh, I want to go back to your performing days and you mentioned that you did a lot of performances all over the world. Do you have a favorite production that you were a part of? Probably my favorite role was, so this was when I was on the cruise ship. Um, I played the role of the, the transvestite, the sweet transvestite in the Rocky Horror Show. Right. Um, I think that was my, my favorite role. Um, yeah, I just love the Rocky Horror Show. It's so much fun and crazy and there was this one incident where um, I basically there was a blackout and I had to jump on top of this big pod I had to like climb a ladder in the blackout jump on top of this pod in like six inch heels um, <laughs> and then as soon as the lights came up this was like a matter of seconds I had to be standing there in my um, stockings and and stuff and then I had to walk down these steps as the turntable's turning. And I had, I had like 10 seconds or something silly to get off the turntable um, before the, um, oh, what do you call it? The thing like dropped, the, the backdrop came down and it's all automatic nowadays. And my heel got stuck in, <laughs> there was this tiny little gap between one of the steps and my heel got stuck. And because I was dancing in my heels, I had like some elastic and so it was still attached to my leg it was oh it was so embarrassing there was an audience of 2,000 people they were all laughing their heads off of me I'm like trying to stumble down these stairs thinking oh my goodness this backdrop's going to come down on me any second if I don't get out of the way it's just going to crush me so I'm like panicking everyone's laughing and I'm like a wreck still trying to sing this song um, 
yeah, that's I think that's probably one of my best um, times on stage because right. afterwards, oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, definitely the show must go on type of moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Things things that you can't plan for. Yeah. Uh, and would you honor us with singing us something from that musical or maybe another one? Oh, wow. Now you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> you don't have to, but... Oh, let me see if I can remember. What's the, what's the words for the... How do you do, I? See you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little brought down because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung out by the way that I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. There you go. <laughs> Bravo. That oh, you was 10 get... years ago when I played that role. So, um, so... <laughs> you, you might get another lead after that. <laughs> I might, yeah, I might. That was great. Thank you so much. David, I absolutely loved hearing about iPath today and hearing about your story. Like I said to everyone, I will definitely be checking out iPath. I think everyone should. Thank you. And we're really excited as well to be working with Acrobatic Arts. So we've got some things in the pipeline. So that's really exciting as well. Great. We'll keep everyone updated on that as well. Thank you and have a great day. You too. Thank you. Isn't it always so fantastic when performers, teachers, and educators alike continue to make the performing arts industry a wonderful community to be a part of? Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.